That was a high one. I'm going to have to look at if there's a different key I can use in it. Grace to you and peace from God the Father. Amen. Have you ever sat down and listened to a story, and as you listened, the story just kept getting weirder and weirder? Or, or maybe it was a movie that you were watching. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about where the whole movie seems like it makes perfect sense, and then right at the end, they throw a twist in there. I'm not talking about that. No, I mean, I mean like it, it's normal for just a little bit, and then all of a sudden, it starts going down this track that just seems like it's weirder and weirder as it goes. I have to admit, my mind jumps straight to Alice in Wonderland. It starts for like a minute being somewhat normal, and then you literally go down a rabbit hole, and you just keep on going. There's gigantic keyholes, there's mushrooms, there's growing tall and shrinking, there's this cat. What's up with the cat? And you have the queen of hearts, who's literally queen of cards. You have all of this imagery, you have all of these things, and the whole time you're just going, where does any of this come from? It just keeps getting weirder and weirder and weirder. I bring this up because today we have a couple of parables that are before us. These are loved parables. We know these stories. We absolutely love them. But we sometimes miss the weirdness. There's some weirdness that's in these parables that we don't always pick up on. In the first century context, these were weird stories. And they seemed weird. So the tax collectors and sinners are drawing near. The tax collectors, the tax collectors especially, that's somebody who has probably had a public sin and can no longer get a respectable job. And so the best they can do is a tax collector. And these sinners, people that have sinned publicly, their sin is known. The kind of people you don't want to be around. And they are drawing close to hear what Jesus has to say. And so you got those on one side. And then on the other side, you have the Pharisees, the scribes, the temple officials. These are the people that have lived righteous lives, at least on paper. You can't find one thing that they've done wrong on paper. It looks like they are truly righteous. And they don't like that Jesus is even talking or associating with these sinners. And so Jesus begins to tell these parables. And he tells four parables. I know, we have two this morning. We're going to leap over the the third parable, but we don't really leap over it. We actually got it earlier this year. During the season of Lent, we had the third parable. Sometimes we call that one the prodigal son. It's one that's fairly familiar to a lot of people. And then next week for our reading in the lectionary, we will have the fourth and the final parable. But each one, as it goes down the line, gets weirder and weirder. Our text for today starts with a shepherd. A shepherd who has a hundred sheep, but one of them wanders off. One of these sheep is lost. And so what does this good shepherd do? He leaves all the other sheep completely defenseless to wander off to find the one. Now, it was something that he probably had to do. you got to go looking for the sheep. But then it gets weird. He brings the sheep back. And he invites all of his friends to come over to have a big party to rejoice for the sake that he found the sheep. But here's the thing. He's a shepherd. 
He lives in the wilderness. He doesn't have a storage shed with grain. He has sheep. And so he's going to have to slaughter one of his sheep in order to have a meal for the big party that he's throwing. He's throwing this massive party to rejoice the fact that he found a sheep. And then the next story keeps going, and it just gets worse. gets weirder and weirder. This lady loses a coin, a silver coin in her house. Now, I have to admit, at first when I heard this story, I go, how did you lose a silver coin? But when we were over in Israel, my professor actually took a coin out of his pocket. We were in a first century house, a reconstructed first century house, And it was in the middle of the day, and all the windows were open, the doors were open. That house was getting more light than it would at any other time. And he took a coin, and he flipped it in the air, and we took our eyes off of it for just a second. I felt like that coin was almost impossible to find. And that was a shiny new coin. Imagine if it was old and dingy at all. It would have been almost impossible to locate. So I got it. After I experienced that, I I, I got this story a little bit better. So this woman, looking for this coin, she, she cleans her house, looking and looking and looking, and finally she finds it. And what does she do? Kind of the same thing with the sheep. She invites all of her friends over, for she has found the coin. But the party itself probably would have cost two coins. By the time you invite everybody over, by the time you start having to host this party and provide all of these things, it's going to cost you at least the cost of one coin, if not two. This woman is acting very strange. She found her coin, but then she seems to waste the profit that she gained throwing a big party. But you see, Jesus isn't teaching us here today how to be a good shepherd. He's not teaching us how to find lost things and how to find a lost coin. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, but also to the sinners. And he is talking about the great rejoicing in heaven when one sinner repents. When one sinner turns from their sin. When through the work of the Spirit they are turned. They turn from their sin and they turn to God. And when that happens the rejoicing that takes place in heaven. And notice the magnitude of the rejoicing, the magnitude of the celebration, the magnitude of all of this great rejoicing over one, just one sinner. It doesn't matter. All of heaven rejoices at even one turning from their sin and turning to God through the work of the Spirit. And think about what that says to us as we have gathered here today. Because you see, we're not not gathered here as, as Pharisees and scribes and church officials. We're gathered here because we have all fallen short. We are gathered here because we are sinners. We are gathered here because we can't do it on our own. Because we need a Savior. And as we have gathered here today, we have gathered to hear those words that our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, died for us, that we stand forgiven from the, we stand forgiven of our sins, not for, for what we have done, but because of what God has done for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And imagine also what that means 
as we wander out these doors. As we venture out these doors and we happen to run in to others. As we happen to to seek out and find others and develop those relationships with others. And then we have those moments, that time when we are able to share that gospel message with them. That wonderful, wonderful message. If even one person hearing that message, impacted through the work of the Spirit, turns from their sin, all of heaven rejoices. All of heaven throws a gigantic party. Even if from our angle, even if from what we see, it still seems messy. And our world still seems dark. Up in heaven, there is rejoicing. Up in heaven, there is a party. Up in heaven, there is rejoicing for someone else through the work of the Spirit, has clung to the very cross of Christ and stands forgiven. Salvation, eternal life, is theirs. And so it is the message for us, but also for them. Jesus Christ died for you, and through Him, and because of Him, we stand forgiven. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.